You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast on the Sportsman's Nation podcast network. Hopefully, everybody had a great weekend. I know all weekends are great in my book, and um, I was able to spend some time with the family. I got to do what I wanted to do. I got to go on the last, what I'm going to call the last shed hunt of the shed hunting season, so to speak. Went out, found three more sheds for a grand total of, I think this year I found 16, which is the most I've found in a while. And uh, man, I'm just happy to have gotten out, enjoyed some nice weather, which it really wasn't that nice. I mean, it rained, but I wasn't sitting in a cubicle, so that was a win. But uh, I tell you what, man, anytime you can get out and just walk your properties this time of year with no vegetation, look for old sign, look for, you know, trails and all that stuff, find bedding. I mean, that can help you. So this uh, shed hunt was also kind of a, a, a late season, pre-season, I don't know what you want to call it. We're right at that cutoff, but uh, time to get out. Just review your property, scout it, look for new signs, uh, potentially something that can help you put that piece of the puddle, puzzle together for the upcom- um, upcoming season. Now... Uh, this podcast that we're going to talk a little bit about today, the first part of it, I, I discuss uh, some shed hunting that happened uh, not this past weekend, but the previous weekend. So uh, I recorded this podcast last week and I'm just now getting around to launching it. But hunters, right? I mean, most of us have been brought you know, brought to hunting through family tradition or through a mentor or an aunt or an uncle or a father or a grandpa, you know, someone who introduced us to hunting when we were really young. Uh, for me, yes, I started hunting when I was somewhere around 12, 13, 14 years old uh, and then took a little bit of a break because of school or sports or whatever. 
and then got back into it real heavy when I was 26. Now, today's guest, Mr. Ben Murray, he talks about how he didn't start hunting until he was 29 years old. And, you know, compared to most of us, that is what we would consider a late start. But it's one of those things where, you know, we need as many hunters as we possibly can, you know, this day and age. So 29 is better late than never, if you ask me. So today we're going to talk about, you know, how he got into hunting, why he got into hunting, why he found it, you know, so appealing, and then just kind of discuss the things that I discuss with everybody. But what I think is cool about this podcast is I'll be able to talk with someone who is new to hunting, but who is old enough to understand, uh, you know, maybe some strategy, maybe some, uh, you know, how they approach uh, failing or errors and all this stuff. It's, it's always cool to have a conversation with someone who's new to hunting, but is old enough to have, I guess, a decent conversation about it. So, uh, this, this would be a difficult conversation to have what with, let's say like a 12 year old or a 14 year old, or, you know, someone in uh, some teenager. But, uh, today Ben talks about his four years worth of hunting experience that he does have. And, uh, Man, I just am really excited that I got to sit down and catch up with him. And uh, yeah, so, but before we start the podcast, and as always, man, I'm telling you right now, if you haven't had the opportunity to get out there and shoot a gearhead bow, please go out uh, and shoot a gearhead bow. Uh, I'm not sure what... uh, you know what shows are going to be at the rest of the season, but if you go to GearheadArchery.com, you can look at all the specs of their bows. Man, they added uh, some new axle-to-axle links this year, and uh, this bow is definitely not a gimmick. It's something that you need to go and shoot, make your own uh, uh, opinion on. But I tell you what, when I started to shoot it, and it was so dead in the hand, it wasn't even funny, man. Uh, I knew that I needed to uh, talk with uh, our, our good buddy Skip there at Gearhead. But for for more information, go visit GearheadArchery.com. And uh, if you do talk with them, tell them old Dan Johnson from Nine Fingers sent you. Skip knows who I am, and uh, he, he loves to talk about uh, the bows and answer any questions you may have. So with all that said, we got another kick-ass podcast today with Mr. Ben Murray. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Ben Murray. How you doing today, Ben? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you? I can't complain, man. I, I went out uh, this weekend, and uh, I found some sheds with my wife and a big group of people uh, for Shed Rally, my buddy Ben and, and Mark Kenyon from Wired to Hunt, but um, and, and, and some other mutual friends. But we went out. We found a, a lot of sheds. We had fun, and uh, I, you know, I just can't complain. The weather was nice, so... My weekend was good. Have Have you found any sheds this year? <laughs> no, man. We actually, I took my two kids out. I have a nine and ten year old, and I took them out shed hunting. And it's probably our fourth time out. And uh, the only thing we found was eight golf balls. But man, they were stoked for each and every <laughs> golf ball we found. That's funny. And I think a yeah. lot of that that comment there 
will kind of relate a little bit better once we start telling people, you know, where you're, where you live now and, and, uh, what this podcast is all about. But, yeah. but before we do that, why don't you, why don't we start off with the, this, the question that I ask everybody and that is where are you from and what do you do for a living? Yeah. So I was born and raised in Michigan and, uh, I lived there until about five years ago. And then I moved out to Long Island, New York, and I moved out here for a job and I'm actually a pastor. I work at a church full time. And so, like I said, I've been out on Long Island five, it's almost six years actually. Nice. And, uh, yeah, loving every minute, man. So do preachers have days off? <laughs> yeah, we do. It's not typical. I actually get uh, Friday, Saturday, which is nice because hunting season, the kids are in school. So uh, I get them on the bus and then I have time where I can go out. You know, I mean, I can't get out early morning most of the time on Fridays, but, uh, you know, I got, you know, afternoons and, and things like that. So uh, we get Fridays and Saturdays off. So I work Sunday through Monday. But um, yeah, I mean, we get time here and there, but uh, I get out whenever I can. Nice. Nice, because yeah. I, I got a couple other uh, friends who, they're not hunters, but they're uh, preachers, and yeah. they are busy what sounds like seven days a week, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to be ready, that's for sure. I mean, at any moment, you could, you know, have something. I'm actually uh, at the church right now. We're actually hosting a uh, hunter safety class at our church, and uh, they were looking for space, and we had, we had space available, so we try to host that a couple times a year. And uh, so I'm here right now, and I'll be here a couple nights this week while they do that. But, yeah, you got to be ready for anything at any time. Now, this is kind of an off-the-wall question, and I hope yeah. if you don't want to answer it, don't. Yeah. Uh, or or, or uh, deflect or whatever. Um, <laughs> but in regards to the Bible, what, yeah. do, what does the Bible say about hunting? Does it say anything? Yeah, man. I mean, it says, uh, you know, like that God made us— uh, he gave us dominion over all the creatures of the earth, you know, and there's actually a Bible story about how God says to someone, you know, he shows him some, some, uh, animals and he says, get up and kill, you know, eat. So, um, yeah, man, he's, uh, that's honestly the, the first time I ever took a deer, I had that feeling of, man, this is what I was made for. This is what I was made to do. So absolutely. Not only from a, it sounds like a spiritual or a religious level, but also yeah. on that we are animals too and we are also yeah. predators right so yeah, absolutely so it sounds like it's a little bit of a combination of all those things yeah absolutely man cool cool well yeah. i just I, I just i never i've had other preachers on the on the podcast before and i've never asked that question so mm -hmm. uh it's it's uh because i know when i was in school or when i was in um, youth group we would talk, yeah. we would, you know, go through all the Bible and all that stuff, but uh, never really talked too much about that aspect of it. And, you know, yeah. like you said, dominion over all animals. So that's yeah, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, we actually have, uh, here at the church, we have eight pastors and uh, four of us actually bow hunt. So we definitely believe in it. So then do you, you don't work on Sundays in November because you got four other pastors to take the, take the load? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I wish, man. I wish. I, my specific job is a kids pastor. So on a Sunday morning, I'm in a room with about 60 kids. So you don't find a lot of people out there that are willing to take your spot when you do something like that very often. Man, I tell you what, when I, okay, so I volunteered a lot when I was in, uh, 
uh, it would be would have been called senior youth group, right? So like yeah. my when I was a senior in high school, we would run some of the church services every once in a while, and yeah. I led ch- the children's sermon part of it. Yep. And I remember one time it was like Easter Sunday or something, and we were talking mm-hmm. about. Um, you know, how the, you know, Jesus uh, died on the cross and then he was put into mm-hmm. a tomb. And when they rolled the, the, the door to the tomb open, he was gone. Yeah. And then this, I said, so what happened? And this kid in front of the whole church said the Easter money took him. And <laughs> I, dude, I laughed so hard and the entire congregation <laughs> laughed so hard. Uh, oh, yeah. it, something I'll always remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. My wife said years back, she said, you know, we should write a book of the stuff that we actually hear, because it's not uncommon for a kid to walk in and say, hey, mom and dad got in the fight on the way here. Would you like to know what was said? Like, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't need to know that kind of stuff. So no, it's great for sure. So what's interesting about this podcast is for the most part, whenever I have a guest on this podcast, we're talking uh, to someone who has multiple years of, you know, hunting experience. Someone who is, you know, their maybe their father and their grandfather have been hunters, and it's a tradition in their family. And mm-hmm. the and uh, some of those uh, people also, you know, they've been hunting since they were nine or five or whatever, and they killed their first yeah. year when they were eleven and whatnot. And that's not the that's not really the case. Uh, for no. you, and that's why no. I wanted you on the podcast today, was because you didn't start really actively hunting until you were 29 years old. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and believe it or not, you're not going to believe this, Dan, but it was actually my wife's idea. Oh, really? And uh, so, yeah, she regrets it now, but yeah, <laughs> at, at the time it was her idea. So, uh, honestly, how what happened was, um, you know, in today's day and age, it's tough to disconnect, you know, right. so. Uh, at the last church I was working at, you have your cell phones, you have your laptops, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, I'm, you're taught and I'm a believer that, you know, you can really attain anything if you work hard enough, you know. And so I was putting in the hours in the office and then I'd come home and I'd break out the laptop and I'd start working again. And, and my wife could see like burnout on the horizon. And she actually looked at me and said, you need a hobby. And uh, so I was like, man, I, you know, I don't know. I, I golfed a little bit in high school, but that's an expensive sport, you know? And, and so, uh, we actually owned a house and we had a river in the backyard and it's about 70, 80 yards across. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of a cool place to live, but I didn't do any, you know, hunting on it or anything. And at one point, my brother and I heard some guys down there shooting at ducks. And so I said, you know, I think I would like to get into duck hunting. So my brother and I went and borrowed two 20 gauge shotguns we set up a green tarp that we bought at Walmart and we shot at wood ducks flying by (laughs) like the next week, man. So, I mean, you know, growing up in Michigan, it's almost like a rite of passage, you know, when you're a certain age, you take hunter safety, you know, it's just, it's something that you do, you know, but yeah, my, my dad never, uh, he did a little bit of small game hunting, I think when he was younger and he actually took me out when I was maybe 12, 14, something like that. And, uh, we walked all day looking for squirrels, never saw anything, and then I saw a chipmunk and blew that thing away, and that was that was about the end of our, our hunting experience together. Um, but the, the cool thing, actually, is since my brother and I got into waterfowl hunting, my dad got into waterfowl hunting. Nice. And so now it's something cool that we can all do together. And so we went a few years back, none of us hunted, and now 
uh, I hunt, my dad hunts, and I have two brothers that, that we all hunt. We actually, um, because we're at different parts of the country, we'll set up, like, guided hunts. So we've done snow goose hunting. We've done different waterfowl trips. And now it's, you know, we're making memories doing that. Well, that's awesome. So yeah. did your dad ever... What, like when you were a kid, was he a hunter or was your grandfather or any uncles hunters at all? No, no, no. I actually, I didn't have any relatives, uh, that, that hunted. And, um, you know, my parents got me like a little pump action BB gun when I was like 10 or something like that, right. but that didn't last long. Cause I was shooting birds off the fence out of my back window. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got taken away real quick. Um, had to earn that back. Um, but no, my dad, my dad owned his own business. And so he, he was a very hardworking man. And so he didn't have a lot of time, you know, when we were little, he's trying to, you know, provide for the family. So he didn't, he didn't do a lot of hunting, but, uh, now, now that he's a little bit older, he, he does a lot more hunting. That's cool, man. Um, so I want to talk about this little chipmunk adventure you went on because <laughs> I think okay. I think it, it's a it's a starting point. Maybe a seed was planted at, at that point. Yeah. Um was this something that just kind of happened or was this this hunting excursion planned? Yeah, so we went up to you know, in Michigan if we, we lived in the like the Flint area, so you know it's mid Michigan area and um everybody goes quote unquote up north. You know, everybody has a cabin, they go up north. And so we had a buddy who had a cabin up north, and um, these guys were going out fishing and whatever, and and my dad, you know, said, hey, let's, you know, go small game hunting. I had just gotten my license. And so while everybody was out fishing, him and I were were walking through the woods. And so it was planned for him and I, but uh, not the chipmunk part. (laughs) Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So then years passed, right? I mean, a lot of years passed, and you – you you went to school uh mm-hmm. sports i take it yeah yeah a little bit of sports actually uh yeah i mean church sports you know i was, I was heavily involved in the church and okay. so actually the church had a basketball team softball team you know so i did those types of things but gotcha. uh, yeah okay so then and then uh did you go to like seminary school or uh, church college yep. or something like that Yep, yep. So I went to Bible college down in Springfield, Missouri. Gotcha. And so I was, yep, I was there a year and a half, and then uh, I came back and and just finished up back in Michigan. Gotcha. Okay. So at all, any throughout throughout that last chipmunk hunt to (laughs) the moment that you decided you wanted to go, you know, start duck hunting, was there any other fishing or uh, hunting activities that took place? So, um, not, not in my life. I mean, not, not that I was taking part in, gotcha. um, the, the church would host like a sportsman's dinner, which was really cool. Uh, they'd have like 400 guys show up and it was like a potluck sort of thing. And so, you know, I'd go for that and they would do a bow shoot there at the church. The church sat on like 70 acres. And so they would do, uh, all sorts of stuff there. They had a whole course set up where they they did like a 3d shoot and, and it was really neat. And I would go and attend and I'd eat the food, but I never participated in any of it. And then I had friends, you know, like I said, it's so many people bow hunt and, and rifle hunt in Michigan for deer that I had friends that did it. And I'd be at a friend's house and his dad's, you know, butchering a, a deer in the kitchen, you know, kind of deal. So um, I was exposed to it, but it wasn't, I never had someone that was like, hey, come on, I'll, I'll show you, I'll teach you. Gotcha. All right. So 
there's a void in your life where you yeah. you were uh, without hunting, and mm-hmm. so what I want to know is I want to I want you to elaborate a little bit about this duck hunting and what triggered you. Something had to happen where all of a sudden you're just like, you know what, I want to try duck hunting. Yeah. So. Um... Honestly, it just sounded fun. I've always loved the outdoors. I mean, as a kid, we spent, you know, a ton of time in the backyard. There was a field behind our house, so we were constantly catching tadpoles, catching fish, catching frogs, catching snakes, you know. Um, I was always in the outdoors. We did something like Boy Scouts through the church, and so we're, you know, we're learning how to start campfires and and all that stuff. So all of that was there. And then when we bought the house, um, like I said, with the river in the backyard, I, you know, I bought a fishing pole cause I was like, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll try my hand at that. Um, but like I said, my brother and I just heard these guys shooting at ducks and I was like, you know what? That sounds fun. Like it just, I, I bought a chainsaw, I borrowed a shotgun <laughs> and I used them both in, on our new property, not for the same thing, but you know, I mean, it was just like, Hey, let's just, let's find something to do. I mean, it was just, it was an excuse to get outdoors. I liked being outdoors, but you just, you know, you run out of things to do, um, without hunting and all that kind of stuff, you know? So, um, it was just, like I said, we heard these guys just, you know, going to town on these ducks and, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever tried, uh, shooting at wood ducks when they're, you know, whipping by, it's this pass shooting, you know? So it's like, you're just praying. If we got two ducks <laughs> in a day, we were stoked, man. You know, so I don't know what it means to limit out. Um, but it honestly, man, it just sounded like fun. And so I'm like, you know what? Let's give it a whirl. Let's dive in. Awesome, man. So yeah. that first experience, was it, was it like throw away the key, throw me in jail, throw away the key. I love this stuff. Or did it take a couple more times for you to say, you know what? I think I'm going to keep doing this hunting thing. Yeah. You know, so it started out, it was definitely something I loved, you know? So like when we first started it, it was like, oh, that was awesome. But honestly, my first time taking a deer with a bow was almost like you ever seen it like a little baby the first time they have like a like soda or pop you know and their eyes just get all big right. it's almost like you gave them crack that was i got that feeling with bow hunting more than i did with waterfowl hunting so cool cool yeah so then so how did your first like I guess your first season of duck hunting go overall, would you say from your traditional successful, like were you able to harvest a good number of ducks? Oh, no way. No, we were, (laughs) I mean, we were bad, man. Like I said, it, my my wife, she kept saying like, man, if we were just relying on your hunting skills, we'd go hungry. You know I mean? Like she was brutal about it, but I told her, I'm like, man, it's like trying to, shoot a shoe that's doing 40 miles an hour past you you know i mean we were we were unloading man and like i said if we got two ducks we were just stoked i mean we were i don't know man we were just thrilled but it was just it was like that that was like what what got me into it you know that was like you know what i can i can see this happening and then another part of it that really spurred on hunting for me is uh we got a lab Okay. And so working with a dog in the off season was awesome. And, um, I had a lab that she was like six months old and, and, um, 
you know, I'd worked with her with like quail and stuff, just trying to get her all, you know, bird crazy and stuff. And we went down to the river one day and, you know, we shot a duck. And like I said, she was young and her name was Sadie. And we shot that, that duck and she marked it. And I mean, there was very little that we did past obedience. You know, we worked on a lot of obedience training, but it wasn't, you know, I'm no professional by any means, but it was just all instinctual, you know? And so she saw that duck go down and there was a couple other uh, older dogs there that were hesitant because the water's moving, you know, and they were used to like a lake where you're not getting that current. But she saw that duck, man. We took, I let her off that leash. Leash. She was gone. Guy came right back. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, this is sweet, you know. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was beginning, you know. It was like something started there, and right. it, it, it was like a package deal where it was like, not, you know, we went from waterfowl to the dog, and now it's like it, it snowballed from there. Right. Okay. So year year one, you were 29 years old, right? And and I'm gonna say year one because it's your first year as a hunter right and you're uh, and you were only a waterfowl hunter at that point then the next year comes around right and and you pick up did you pick up gun hunting first or you went straight to bow hunting no i went straight to bow and and the way that that worked out was so i moved to long island and long island obviously is all coastal you know so i'm thinking oh man i'm going to like waterfowl heaven like this is going to be amazing but what's crazy about Long Island is, is you know, um, just because there's water doesn't mean it's a good spot for ducks. You right. know, you you got to have the good spots, and and a lot of those spots are taken in different parts of the island. You have to have a permit, and those permits are passed down from generation to generation. So you just can't, you know, it's not like bow hunting where it's like pick a good tree. You know what I mean? Like you got to know where you're going and what you're doing, and um, and and I was really struggling to find a good spot. You know, I was I was trying my hardest. And uh, my cousin actually lives out here um, on Long Island, and so I was taking him out uh, waterfowl hunting with us. And he's like, "Man, this sucks." <laughs> you know, like we weren't getting anything. And he's like, "This is horrible." He's like, "Bro, you have to try bow hunting." I'm like, "Man, it's so expensive to start. You know, another." another sport or you know whatever like i I have a gun you know it took me forever to like just get enough money to get a gun and whatever and i had all my waiters and everything and he's like no bro you gotta try and uh so yeah so he um he let me borrow a a bow that was his uncle's and so he had a bow that he had gone out and bought and that was fit to him and then um you know he let me borrow a bow so that's that's what helped me get into bow hunting and uh so yeah that was how that switch happened. Okay. So how, so you got like, I have so many questions for you because (laughs) I'm, 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 I want to question you, but at the same time, my head is working in reverse and I'm, I'm going back and thinking about some of my very first hunts. Now I did something similar, kind of similar in a way, but when I was 14 is when Mm -hmm. I started, I think I was like 12 or 14 is when I first started hunting then. Yeah. And I, I continued to hunt, but not seriously. And then when I was 26 is when I cannonballed into, mm-hmm. uh, like, just like I knew that's what I was going to do. So yeah. I want to talk a little bit about uh, your first season as a bow hunter, because mm-hmm. waterfowl is one thing. You don't have to be quiet, really. I mean, yep. you're, you're loud. You may have to sit still for a little bit, but you right. know, when the guns go off, it's, you know, no holds bars. Yeah. Bow hunting is something completely different. 
So Absolutely. talk to me a little bit about like how you prepared for that season and you know, as you prepared and, and started realizing what had to happen for you to be successful, did you get intimidated at all? Sure. So that first year, like I said, I was I was borrowing a bow, and right, that right. bow was set at seventy pounds, and I'm not a big guy. And uh, that that seventy pound to start out at seventy pounds was tough. Um, and I didn't have the right camo, so the first year that I'm going out, so almost everything that I had came from Walmart or Craigslist. You know, like that's kind of, <laughs> or, or like I said, I borrowed it. You know, and. Um, as it got colder, you know, to where, you know, first it opens up October 1st here, bow hunting season. And so at the beginning of the season, I can wear like some cheap stuff that I bought at Walmart. But as the season goes on, I didn't have anything. So I, I put on Carhartts, you know, so I had like the, the brown Carhartt bibs on and a brown Carhartt coat on, and I bought a $40 climbing tree stand. And so, you know, I'd climb the tree with that sit in the tree and my cousin would laugh at me because he'd come up and he's like bro you stick out like a sore thumb like <laughs> everybody could see it you know and and like I said everything was just incredibly incredibly cheap and uh you know I'm, I'm trying to use a bow that's not fit for me I have no idea the draw length I have no you know I don't know how long my arrows I'm just like someone said hey you can borrow it I'm super thankful you know so I'm like all right well we'll we'll give it a whirl and Man, I had I I botched so many opportunities that first year trying to draw back that uh that seventy pound bow, you know, like I'm struggling, it's pointed towards the sky, you know. Um there wasn't a whisker whisker biscuit on it, you know, and so the arrow would pop off and I, I messed up so many opportunities, man, um, just that first year. But I wasn't intimidated by it per se. Um I wish I had the funding, you know, to, right. to go out and be like some of these guys that just drop thousands and get everything they need right off the bat. You know, that's just not the situation I was in. But like I said, when we started waterfowl hunting, I borrowed a shotgun. We put up a shiny green tarp and sat behind it, you know, and that's not smart, you know. But, I mean, it's just like, well, you got to start somewhere. And so, you know, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but you know what? We're going to work hard at it. We're going to figure this out. And, and that was more or less, you know, my my thinking. And so um, I dove in. I made so many mistakes. I mean, there was – I started out actually before I even got to the, the climber, uh, my uncle let me borrow a, um, a little pop-up blind. And so um, the first day – I'm sitting there and it was, it was actually opening morning and I was in now looking back, I was in the worst spot. Like yeah. I'm 10 yards off the main walking path, you know, or whatever. But I actually, I mean, I had a, a doe and a fawn walk up, but I was so new at this. I mean, it wasn't like a, an incredibly young fawn, but I, I was so new at it. I see this fawn and I'm going, is that a big deer or not? You know, like I had no clue because I, I could only see it before I could see the doe. And then the doe walked in. I was like, oh, no, that's that's more or less what I'm looking for. Um, but like I said, everything was borrowed. And, um, y- you know, I mean, you take it on the chin a few times in the beginning because you don't know what you're doing. But it's like once you make that mistake, you go, well, I'll only do that once. <laughs> you know, right. I'm not going to do that again. And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it was a slow, a slow learning process. Um, but you know what? In the beginning, I enjoyed it, even though I was screwing up left and right. And even though I made my mistakes, it didn't matter. You know, I just right. 
uh, you just, you know, you stick with it and it's, it's like learning anything, you know, or, uh, you know, like learning any sport, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn some, some basics first. And, and I knew that. So, right. um, that kind of helped. So kind of, go, uh, focusing on the archery portion of it, obviously you were pulling back too much weight. Um, yep. did you know, or did anybody kind of guide you through like anchor points and here's the form you should have and you know, you need these kind of arrows and, or was it, was that just like, here's a bow, there it is. And then you had yeah. to do all that work yourself. Yeah. You know, it was a little bit of both. So my cousin had a little bit more experience than I did. Um, he has, uh, some uncles and his dad bow hunted. Um, and so, um, he had a little bit more experience and so we were able to kind of bump our way through it together, you know, um, and you know, I've seen this, I've seen that, but you know, what? honestly in today's day and age, everything that you can learn off YouTube and social media is absolutely incredible. Right. So that's more or less what we, we would learn from, um, you know, out here, there's not a lot of mom and pop shops that you can go and get, you know, um, arrows from and all that. Like since then I found some archery places. Um, but like right off the bat, I was going to Dick's Sporting Goods, and I'm just like, hey, what do I need? And I'm trusting some guy that I have no idea if he knows what he's talking about or not to give me the right arrow. And, you know, I mean, I think the first broadheads I used were like six ninety nine from Walmart. You know, it was just I had no clue, you know. But, uh, but yeah, that's just kind of where we started. It was like, well, we'll, we'll figure it out, but we'll, we'll start with what we can afford, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Gotcha. So – how many months before your first hunt did you have this equipment and were you practicing with it? Oh, not long at all. I mean, within <laughs> definitely definitely within a month, and we definitely did not practice enough. I mean, and once the season started, I didn't I didn't practice again after that. I mean, it was like we probably practice a handful of times, you know, and you shoot until your arm gets tired, which at that point wasn't very long for me, you know, and we were, you know, getting close to where we wanted to be. And we're like, all right, well, we, we know roughly how big of a spot we're aiming at on the deer. I guess that's close enough. You know, I mean, it was that kind of thing, man. We're, we're in my cousin's backyard, just shooting at a target. And, um, and he was a lot better at it than I was. And, you know, I was, I was slowly coming along, but, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was really bad looking back, man. Right. I don't, how how we even got to where we are now? I, you know, what was your accuracy? Mind, what was your accuracy like, give or take? Oh man, uh, I mean, there was no grouping whatsoever. You know, I hear guys <laughs> drop numbers about grouping, and I was like, well, I hit the target all three times. I think we're okay, you know. And uh, so it was just, yeah, man, it was bad. It was right. really bad. Um, I tell this story all the time, and, and the listeners are probably sick of hearing it, but. <laughs> My very first, you know, when I, when I started shooting a bow, um, they I had a bale of hay with some paper on it with like a homemade drawn target, and yeah. which was like a circle and then another circle, you know, and then a, a bullseye. <laughs> I think I had like four or five different arrows. They were all different, and they were all you know when I mean when I mean different length size broadhead yeah. everyone was different <laughs> and at 10 15 yards i hit this bale of hay three or four times with all the arrows and i'm just like i'm ready to hit the woods you know what I mean? like, yeah <laughs> looking back i'm i'm glad that i didn't 
shoot a deer right away because yeah. it would have been like a Texas heart shot and right. I would have been following blood from, or, you know, not even, I don't even know what would have happened. I'm just glad, it, <laughs> I'm just glad at this point it didn't, but yeah, we all learned from that first year. Right. So yeah, absolutely. What, what is something that stood out specifically after that season was over, you weren't technically, I mean, you didn't kill a deer, but mm. you, like you said in the email you sent me, you didn't feel it was an unsuccessful season. So yeah. talk to me about that, what you learned from that first season to take into the next season of bow hunting. Yeah. So the first season, um, you know, I didn't even know a whisker biscuit existed, you know, so I, I, I moved to that because I kept, I kept popping the arrow off, you know, I, I shot a tree once when I was aiming at this, <laughs> at this buck, I had, I had like a seven point buck walk in and, uh, I'm, you know, trying to pull back this bow and he, he's staring at me, you know, 10 yards away and the arrow pops off and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so one of the big things that, that I learned that first season is, you know, get a bow that works for you. And by the next season, you know, I did, I went and it, nothing special, you know, I went to Dick Sporting Goods, paid like $400 for a ready to shoot bear, you know, and that's actually still what I'm using, but that's, it, it was, it was actually fit to me, you know, and, and so figuring out the equipment and, and the best way to do things. And, um, you know, after, I went out as often as I could, but I started to, to pattern deer a right, little bit. Right. And I didn't, I didn't quite understand where they were coming from or where they were going, but I ended up just picking a tree and seeing that they were cutting in front of me um, for whatever reason around a certain time every single day. And so um, I actually did, I did shoot a deer that year but I didn't harvest him. Um, it was, it was a buck, but I only, I only shot him. I mean, I took a shot that was way too far. It was late in the season. He was at 37 yards and I was using a single pin and the pin like got jammed up and I couldn't even move it to where I needed to. So it was set on 20 yards. I, I should not have done this and I understand it now, but it was stuck on 20. And I was like, this is my last time out. I'm letting it fly. So I put it a little bit above his back and I let it fly and I ended up taking the one lung, but, uh, but he ended up surviving. Um, and so, you know, I learned at that point, a, a good ethical shot from not a good ethical shot. And if something's slightly quartered away, yeah. you know, aim a little further back. Um, there's a, a ton of little things. We've definitely all been there before, uh, for yeah. sure. You know, um, but my question is you got this new equipment. Did your accuracy improve, meaning, and then did that translate into you feeling better about going out and hunting? Obviously, you had a little bit of a mechanical error on, at that one point, but yeah. did you feel more confident with your equipment going into that second season? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, just having a better idea. I mean, the year before, I probably didn't decide I was going to hunt in October until September, you know, so um, the next year you know, we were able to get out and shoot more. And then I had a bow that was set for me. It was something that I could comfortably draw back. And, you know, I just, at that point, I just had more knowledge. I, I knew, uh, you know, I had a little kisser, so I knew exactly where to put that. You know what I mean? Like I was starting to get more uh, fundamentally sound, I right. guess. 
and uh, just get to a place where I felt a lot more confident. Um, so it was just, it's less to worry about, you know. I mean, you know how it goes when a deer's walking in, your heart's pounding out of your chest, and I'm literally trying to think of a million different things, you know, at that point. So if I could start taking some of those off of my plate and, you know, focusing on, you know, what I can help and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, once once I got all that stuff, you know, off of my head, you know, off my brain, then I was a, I was a lot better off for sure. Right. Well, that's good. Now, yeah. the strategies, you know, obviously <laughs> you can't be either just really good at archery and really crappy with locating deer and you can't be really good at locating deer and really crappy at archery well i know i mean i know some guys out there who can kill a deer and they're they're horrible archers and i might even (laughs) be in that in that uh, category as well but you know archery is just half of it getting Mm -hmm. out looking for signs scouting locating the deer is the the other part of that what did you do but you know between season number one and season number two as far as going out onto the properties and exploring and and learning more about deer sign and deer movement and terrain and where deer sleep and where they eat and all that stuff yeah so um you know everything out out here on long island well i shouldn't say everything probably 95 percent of the areas you can hunt are public you know it's um, there's very, very, very little right. uh, private land. So everywhere that I'm hunting is, is public land. So I wanted to be conscious of not just trouncing through the woods. And, you know, so that first year I was trying to learn while I'm out there, you know, so I didn't even like get out of the stand early and, and just go walking, you know, like, oh, I'll just go see. Because actually the first day, so the very first day I hunted, there was an older gentleman that was out in the woods um, the same time I was out there and my cousin was out there and, and they have parking spots, you know, so there's only supposed to be so many people in this one area. Right. And, and this guy's out there and he, first he walks right under my cousin's stand and he's like, yo, yo, you know, like get out of here kind of deal, you know? And then he's like, Oh, sorry. Then he walks right over past me, you know? And it was like, Oh, come on. You know? So knowing what that felt like, I'm like, man, I'm not going to do that to somebody else. Right. You know? And, a lot of places out here are on the edge of neighborhoods, you know. So if I'm walking along with a bow, it would it's not that uncommon to have someone who's out walking their dog in the same little area of woods. You know, they maybe they're not supposed to be, but that doesn't mean they're not. Um so I waited until the off season and uh I remember the the first like really eye opening experience for me. Um you know, on Long Island we get a decent amount I shouldn't say a decent amount of snow. We get snow but it doesn't stick for very long. You know, not compared to Michigan. Michigan, it was like you had snow from November till March, you know, right. where uh, here, once it flies, within a week, it's usually gone. Um, but I actually one day talked my wife into going out into the woods. She was, you know, saying we need to spend more time together, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, all right, I got an idea. If you really want to spend time together, let's go for a walk in the woods. So I actually got her to go out in the woods, and snow had fallen a day or two before, and we just started following tracks, and we were right in the area that I was hunting the previous year, and I could see that these deer, um, I, you know, we followed their tracks. To, they were bedding in this field. They would walk through these cedars and come to find out when they were passing me, the reason why they were passing me is there was a little, 
uh, it just looked like a giant mud puddle, but there's water always there. So I think they were getting a little drink and then making their way around, and then they would start their rounds in the neighborhoods, like eating everybody's flowers. Um, but it all started to make sense at that point. You know, like when I would see something, it was almost like you're missing puzzle pieces, you know, and you're trying to guess what's going on. And then at that point, I went, oh, okay, well, now that makes sense, you know. And so every time I would go out, um, in the off season, the goal was just try to figure out a little bit more, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then I would expand properties. So now I'm not just checking out this spot. Now I'm on to, to other spots, but really the scouting side of things only started for me like last year where I was like really heavy into it, you know, up until then it was like, it wasn't as big of a deal, but I started to finally see the value in it last year. Right. So back then what resources you, were you using like for that second year uh, to, to gain knowledge about hunting in general? Um, at that point it was mainly like YouTube, you know, just right. Google searches, uh, a little bit of forums, you know, uh, forums can be rough <laughs> when you're first oh, starting, Yeah, you know, everybody's a know-it-all and, and, you know, it really bothered me that, you know the saying, there's no stupid question? Well, that's not true online. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that. I agree you know? 100%. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and I, I, like I said, I didn't have anybody that was like, you know, at, at 12 or 14 that's like, hey, man, let me teach you. And, and like I said, there's no stupid question or, you, you know, you can ask a dad or an uncle or something. You know, I'm 30 asking a bunch of other, uh, you know, keyboard superheroes what to do you know and then there's oh my gosh you idiot you know and i'm like well i'm not doing that again <laughs> um so i would just i would search my question let someone else take the hit see what they said and then you know try to decipher you know from there but there's definitely not a lot of patience out there on the internet but uh that's kind of where it started and then um i ended up meeting actually two guys through our church um, that both hunt and they hunt in different ways, um, in different areas, uh, and, and just picking their brain, you know, I mean, they're both awesome family guys and they hunt a lot. So I would text them questions if I got, you know, stumped, uh, or like, Hey man, I'm seeing this. Why would this be? And, you know, we communicate a little bit through text or on a Sunday morning when I'd see him, um, there was quick conversations, but mainly at that point, it was pretty much all online, you know, trying to watch videos, um, trying to find guys that, that were like me, not like, um, I, and I have nothing against some of these hunting shows, but it was just like, I, I'm not in the Midwest on a farm field with, you know, ag field, you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't have that. So I'm trying to find guys that are, that are in the same boat I am and what are you doing, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. So most of it was online. Gotcha. So you learned, you went in. Um, you know, you you now start to absorb things that second season, right? You, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that the first season you went out and you were just more focused on getting into a tree and climbing up it as opposed yep. to season number two where you, you kind of start to absorb things and you're a little yep. bit more observant about, you know, hey, I saw a deer come out of this timber and, and not just I saw a deer but right. you start putting a little bit of, you know, the pieces of the puzzle together yeah. from a, you know, did you harvest a deer that year at all? Year number two? 
Year number two, I did. You did? I did. Okay. Yep. So walk us through, high level, not too detailed, but walk us through that that harvest. Yeah. So the second year I was out, um, again, on you know, public land, and I'm back just in an area where I think I can see little trails coming in. And so I set up in somewhat of a valley, you know, there's not a whole lot of terrain changes out here on the island. It's not like we got big hills or mountains or anything, obviously, but there's a little bit of a valley and um, I can see what look like trails, you know, coming down. And so I'm like, you know what, I'll just, I picked a tree that, you know, looked, I was using a climber, so I had to be straight, no branches. So I'm, I'm climbing up it, and as I'm getting higher, you know, those trails are getting a little bit more pronounced. And this is early season still, you know, so there's leaves and everything is still green. Um, so I'm climbing up it, and, and I get to this spot where I'm like, all right, I feel pretty good. Well, um, after probably maybe a half an hour or so, I catch this movement out of the corner of my eye. And unfortunately, where this deer was walking in was just about eye level where I'm at. And uh, it could tell something wasn't right, you know. And uh, come to find out it's a young deer with a young hunter, you know. So it's kind of like this showdown. And it took this deer, man, a half an hour to walk 20 yards. I mean, it was bobbing and weaving and, you know, trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Um, It knew something wasn't right, but it couldn't quite put it, you know, figure out what the problem was. Right. So it starts coming down this path. And and I'm standing there ready, and I, I can see where this, at the end of this little trail, if he turns to his left, I lose my opportunity. If he turns to, to his right, he's going to walk closer, and I get a better shot. And right at this little cross, you know, it was about a 20-yard shot, and I felt comfortable with that. So it starts walking down, and he just starts to turn left, so he's about to walk away from me, and I'm about to lose my shot. And I thought, man, I'm letting it rip. And it, and so I did. I I let it go. It ducked a little bit. I hit it right in the spine, and it dropped like a sack of potatoes. And it starts this horrible noise. Just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it so it can't use the back half. And it's spinning in a circle just using its front legs, you know. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, I got to finish it off. So I, you know, knock another arrow, and I, you know, put it right through the lungs and then and that was the end of it but my first deer that i harvested i'm watching this deer bend its head back try to take the arrow out of it you know, yeah. <laughs> out of its rib cage and i'm like oh man if i can handle that i <laughs> i can handle anything yeah so yeah. that was the first deer that i harvested but uh my cousin was in earshot and he knew that noise you know he had heard it once before uh, at his uncle's in michigan and he's like you spined it didn't you and i said i did you know so but I was so new at that point. I thought it was a doe. You know, he's like, what was it? I said, it was a doe. And then I got down there and it had little nubs about an inch, you know, a little butt yeah. buck. So, well, I tell you what, man, uh, we've, I've, I know I've been there before, uh, as yeah. far as shots that you don't, you know, they don't go as planned and yep. you don't practice for it. But mm-hmm. when it comes to hunting, those things happen, and there's yeah. nothing you can really do about it uh, except yeah. exactly what you did, and that's finish mm-hmm. it off. Not last year, but the uh, year before I spined my buck, and, mm-hmm. you know, he dropped exactly right where he stand stood, you know, one more arrow in him right after that, and probably this, he died 
the same exact time frame that if I would have double lunged him and he would have ran, you know, yeah. 80 yards. Uh, sure. So, there's, you know, he was uh, probably an easy drag from that point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that track job's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So year number, it was year number two, you harvested a deer. Now, mm-hmm. this is a question because you've never gutted a deer before, right? You've yeah. never had to field dress one. What was your first time? Because I can remember my first time, and it was a cluster, man. I, yeah. I'm glad I didn't record it because <laughs> it w- people would have held that against me. Like I, I, yeah, I had no yeah. idea what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah so it you know what it, it wasn't too bad i tend to get queasy with needles and all that kind of stuff and so i'm thinking oh man this is going to be rough you know uh but you know what i don't know if it was because of adrenaline or what but i didn't bat an eye man i i got right down um i tried using this butt out tool you yep. know, and that was a debacle. I screwed that up. Yep. You know, um, I probably, it probably took me 10 times longer than it would have taken anybody that knows what they're doing. Um, but you know what? It wasn't too bad. I mean, I got blood everywhere. Um, I didn't realize it at the time because at, at that point it's dark. I didn't realize it until I walk into the gas station down the road to get bags of ice and I look down and look like I just came from a murder scene, you know. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, so it, honestly, it didn't go too bad. Uh, the one thing that I distinctly remember, and it, you know, like I said, it obviously wasn't a gut shot, but that smell was like nothing oh, I'd yeah. ever smelled before. Yeah. Since, you know, I've smelled a gut shot since then, and that's you know a, a smell I never want to smell again. But um, just just that whole process, um, like I said, like I said earlier, when I took that deer and when I was gutting that deer. I had this overwhelming feeling of this is what I was made to do. Like, this is what, awesome. like we were made to eat like this, not ordering a Big Mac through the drive through And it's so funny because I'll say that to people now and they're like, you're a freak, you know, like they don't get it at all. Um, but I just, like I said, I had this, this sense of, man, this is right. This is what we were made to do, not what we're, you know, mostly doing now. But um, it wasn't bad, you know, it wasn't bad at all. Well, that's good. So now, yeah. so now, all right, season two comes to an end, and mm-hmm. you're you're still relatively new to this whole thing, so I feel confident yep. that you kind of remember, because if you ask me what I learned between season number two and season number three, I don't know if I, if I could, you know, remember or, or tell you anything particular, yep. but what did you pick up after season number two? going into season number three yeah so honestly before then i never even thought of hunting the wind and that year was a big eye-opener to me right. you know i um, getting busted several times and why in the world is that though <laughs> you know making all that noise when i'm right here and she's right there you know that was that was a big eye-opener to me and you know, you hear phrases from guys that are like, well, you can't kill him sitting on the couch and this and that. And, and I didn't necessarily have a lot of spots. I, you know, like I said, I wasn't uh, heavy into scouting at that point. So right. I was that guy walking in 100 yards every single time going, well, I'm hunting here, rain, shine. You know, um, at that point, honestly, I'd, I was, you know, looking for information wherever I could find it. And I found an app that was talking about 
moon phases and oh you want to be in a tree or you know this these are right. major phases and these are minor phases and so i was looking at that more than i was looking at anything else you know wind or pressure or anything like that so um that was a big eye opener for me you know i learned a lot of lessons that year uh about wind and and access and and all that kind of stuff so two to three it was definitely definitely wind all right so your third year were you successful (laughs) so i was but my third year i was successful with a shotgun so on long island there's no rifle they do a shotgun season um for two or three weeks and there's only a couple spots on the island that you can do it and there's actually like a raffle or whatever you have to get drawn to do it. And so um, I was, you know, I was able to do that. And so I harvested, it was late January and I actually harvested a buck again, but it, again, I thought it was a doe. It had dropped its antlers Oh boy! and I didn't realize it. Yeah. And so um, it was, you know, smaller, younger, um, but, you know, still learning those lessons. And so that was, that was what I took that year. That's cool. So, yeah. so you've been you were successful your second year with a bow, third year mm-hmm. with a gun, and now this fourth year, which would have been 2017, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, what was your success like? Uh, so this year I took three. Okay. And Ooh, good. Yeah. So last so last year I was constantly waiting on you know, a, a big one to come walking by. And, you know, I passed on a lot of does and last year was just a little bit tougher in general. I didn't see as much, um, you know, not this season, but the season before. Um, so when I went out with a shotgun, it was like, man, anything that walks by, it's getting shot. You know, I don't even right. care at this point. So this year I, you know, I told my cousin in the beginning of the season, I said, you know what? I hear all these six, you know, I talked to all these guys that are extremely successful that are shooting these big deer. And it sounds like each and every one of them had a point where they were willing to shoot anything that walked by. Like you got to get it out of your system a little bit. You got to learn, you know, by just shooting things, you know I mean? Like you can't become a better hunter when you're just watching deer walk by. Yeah. And so, um, my first time out, uh, a, a great guy from the church took me out to a spot that he has and I saw six deer and um, all those except one, it was a little six-point buck. Uh, we get, you know, two buck tags. But I'm still trying to be one of those guys that's like, all right, I w- you know, let them go, let them grow. You know, it was one of those things that they say out here in New York. Um, so, you know, that's what I'm thinking. You know, if I shoot all the little ones, they're never going to make it to be big ones. Um, so instead, I was like, I'm just going to take one of these does. So um, my first time out this year, I, I took a doe. And, um, I actually, I hit her a little too far back and that was my first gut shot deer. And that was horrible. That was a horrible experience. Um, so that was my first one. And then my third time out, I, I took a nice buck. Um, I took an 11 point buck and, uh, that was seeing him walk in after only seeing a bunch of little stuff was like, I mean, I thought he was a giant, you know, I mean, my job, I hit the floor and then actually the third one I took, I, I kind of wish I didn't have to take it, but I was out uh, walking with my kids and we came across um, a, a small buck that had shed already that had um, gotten hit by a car. Oh, and so okay. he could, yeah, he couldn't use his front two legs. And so it was a mercy kill, but man, that was an experience having a nine and 10 year old out there and, 
walking them through that whole situation and <laughs> explaining to my daughter, you know, it's either 30 seconds and, you know, we can still use the meat or it's three days and, you know, he dies of starvation or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was an experience, but yeah, it was, so I took three this year. So I know, you know, I know we're, we're probably skipping a lot as far as what you've learned over this, this experience, but you know, kind of wrapping it up here, what I want yeah. to ask you is four year, you know, your, your five years, you're, you're still duck hunting, right? Yeah. I'll, so this year I went out twice, okay. uh, waterfowl hunting. Okay. But a, a majority of your time now is spent bow hunting whitetails, right? Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. Okay. So with that said, you're now, you know, five years ago, you were not a bow hunter. Yeah. Now you're a bow hunter. How how have you as the person changed from, you know, pre-hunter, post-hunter? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm probably a little bit more patient with people that are just getting into something, you know, uh, now having experienced that, that new guy feeling of, you know, just getting into something, you know, a little bit later, you know, at 30. Um I'm a little bit more patient. You know, we've actually got uh, several guys from the church who weren't hunters before that are now hunters. You know, after I started hunting is when we reached out to the DEC out here and said, hey, you know, we got a spot that you guys can teach hunter safety, you know. So I think my eyes were opened a little bit more to the need. Like, there's probably a lot of people out there that are sitting, you know, they're thinking the same things I am, like, I got a question, but I got no way to ask it to, you know, like, how can I ask this question without looking like an absolute idiot? Um, and so my eyes have been open to a little bit more of that. Um, I've, we've, I've taken people out that you never thought you would see in a tree in their lives. Um, I actually took a guy out from Australia, um, who was visiting and, uh, it was, it was on his bucket list to whitetail hunt, you know, and, uh, and so, cause out there, you know, all they got's kangaroos. And so, <laughs> so we, we took him out and man, his mind was blown. He thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And so I would say, you know, that's a big thing. And, um, you know, and, and now seeing, you know, my dad's jumped into hunting and, uh, you know, now instead of buying my dad another hammer for Christmas or another tape measure that he doesn't need. Uh, me and my siblings will go in on a gift and we're paying for a hunt that we can take my dad on, you know, and we're building awesome. memories like that. Awesome. Yeah. And just seeing, the, yeah, seeing the value behind that. And, you know, my son is 10 and, uh, he's so mad when he comes home and I'm not there cause I'm out hunting, you know, or whatever, but, uh, just seeing the value in that, you know, in that it's, it's so much more, you know, there's a community, you know, um, of, of hunters and, you know, I've got to, I was able to connect with guys over hunting that maybe I wouldn't have connected with them over anything else, you know, and we actually started a group, you know, at our church, it's, uh, called Outdoorsman's. And so we, um, every other Thursday, uh, we'll meet and we either, you know, there's great fishing out here, as you can imagine. So we're either fishing or hunting, and sharing stories and just connecting over stuff like that. You know, I got some great friendships now, you know, um, just out of hunting. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I take it you're to the point now where as soon as one season is over, you're anxious for the next season to begin. Oh yeah, man. I, you know what, to be honest, and it, 
this might sound a little weird, but I, I was even scouting and like passed up hunting before our season was even over. You know, it goes through the end of January out yeah. here. And that time that we came across that deer, um, it was still hunting season and I didn't even have my bow with me. It was back in the truck, you know, but I was just out with my kids and, you know, it's, it's been an excuse for us to get out and get in the woods and, uh, you know, just spend some good quality time with them. Um, but yeah, man, I'm out as much as I possibly can just, you know, scouting and, you know, I do shed hunting, but there's not that it's, it's more scouting than it is shed hunting. You know, I found two sheds in my entire life and it's a joke compared to what you guys are finding out there in Iowa. Right. But, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like I said before, you know, today's day and age, you're just, you're connected all the time, whether it's through a phone or a computer or something, you know, there's always technology and that's, man, it's just such an awesome way to, to disconnect, you know, get out there and, um, just go for a walk, you know, and it's amazing what you can find and, already making plans for for next year and i'm um my we just got our income tax back and i had, i've already ordered a lone wolf tree stand oh and an boy. Acubo. Oh yeah boy. lone wolf tree stand and acubo man so i gotta you know i'm trying to build those muscles <laughs> so last question yeah you know you've already been a bow hunter now for four years what do mm-hmm. you plan to accomplish or do you have any goals for the next four years yeah i mean so one thing that I have not quite figured out yet is betting. You know, um, I can go out in the woods and, you know, I've gone out after it snows and I'll see like, okay, you know, this is, you know, probably some does or whatever. And I found some spots that look like they might've been used. You know, um, I know some guys that are very successful early and late season hunting those monsters because they know where they're betting. So then they can figure out, all right, they're heading here for food. And, you know, I don't, what I don't want, um, the, the buck I took this year, um, that I was stoked to get, I felt like it was just as much luck as it was skill, you know, and I want to get to the place where it's more skill than it is luck. You know, I know there's that, that saying out there, I'd rather be lucky than good, but you know, I think I'd rather be good with, with some luck in there, you know? And so that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out now is just, um, the, the betting side of it so you know practically when it comes to hunting i want to figure that out i want to you know uh, it's almost like you know when you when you first learn to read you know some of the small words that you're learning um takes you a little while and then like yeah. you know as you grow you you just start to read quicker and bigger words i feel like it's that when you go in the woods you know you're bumping your way through everything and you see something and you're like all right but what does that mean you right. know and so I'm just trying to, my goal is to get better at reading the woods. I'd love uh, to be able to walk in the woods and say like, all right, well, I see this here and this year and this makes sense and that makes sense, you know. Um, so I'm still, uh, you know, just trying to figure that out. But um, so, yeah, on the practical side that, you know, but I honestly, one of my other goals is just get more and more people exposed to hunting out here. You know, um, Long Island is pretty you know, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of hunters They're They're here, but there's not a lot of hunters, but it is amazing when you watch someone who's never hunted before experience it. And it's almost like the best kept secret that they knew nothing about. Yeah. And they're like, are you kidding me? And then they're in like you are, you know, and then they, they got the itch, you know, and now all their money's gone <laughs> because of hunting too, you know, but just, uh, just continuing to, to show other guys what hunting really is and, you know, and all that kind of stuff and just personally become, 
a better hunter and, and, and figure out the woods a lot more. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. welcome to the club. And, <laughs> Thanks, uh, man. it's good to have you here. And, uh, yeah. I tell you what, Ben, I really appreciate you taking time to come on the podcast, man. Yeah, Dan, I, you know, I really appreciate it, man. This was a lot of fun. Huge shout out to Ben for taking time to hop on the podcast. Huge shout out to all of you for listening, downloading. If you haven't already, please go wherever you are downloading or listening to your podcast and subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation. And that is on the Whitetail feed and the big game Western feed as well. I'm telling you, uh, tons of great information uh, as far as the podcasts are putting out, man. We put out one one a day on the whitetail feed and we're putting out either one currently or two a week on the uh, big game feed so all you have to do is wherever you download podcasts you need to search sportsmen's nation and that's s-p-o-r-t-s-m-e-n-s nation either whitetail or big game and uh, those rss feeds will pop up subscribe to both and you guys are set for a ton of great podcasts coming down the pipe other than that huge shout out to gearhead wasp ozonics ripcord exodus bighorn outfitters lone wolf tree stands i tell you without them this wouldn't be possible so please go out and support those companies that support this podcast and last but not least please go check us out on instagram and facebook i i very rarely do twitter but instagram and facebook for the nine finger chronicles and the sportsman's nation podcast network and if you haven't already please go to sportsmansnation.com and enter your email address in the bottom of any page on the website and uh, that gets you set up for the i guess I don't, I don't even know, newsletter that's going to be coming out. It's not going to be a newsletter because I don't know how often I'm going to put it out, but it's going to be a lot of information coming uh, to you that way as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you're going to be in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week. <laughs>